Welcome to the Sports Equity Podcast. Here we talk to special guests from teams, brands, and agencies to discuss the value that sports brings to business through current trends and best practices with your host, Brett Weisbrot. Today we have a guest on Sports Equity with over 40 years representing talent across the entire sports industry with a record eight number one overall picks in the NFL draft. Lee Steinberg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Appreciate it. So tell me a little bit where you first got involved in player representation. So I grew up in Los Angeles, went to UCLA a year, then to Berkeley, and I was a grad counselor in an undergraduate dormitory in uh, the early 70s. And when I got out of law school, I traveled the world and very first pick in the first round of the 1975 NFL draft lived in that dorm and his name was Steve Barkowski, who's the quarterback. And he ended up asking me to represent him. And there I was brimming with legal experience, never having uh, practiced before. And I had the first pick in the first round of the NFL draft. And we, there was a World Football League competing against it. so. We ended up with the largest rookie contract in NFL history. And I really saw on that first trip to Atlanta where there are cleat lights flashing in the sky like for a movie premiere, the huge crowds pressed up against a police line and we hear someone say, we interrupt the late night news and bring you a special news bulletin. Um, I saw the tremendous idol worship that athletes are held in communities across the country and I've been raised by a dad with two core values. One was to treasure relationships, especially family. And the second one was to try to make a meaningful difference in the world and help people who couldn't help themselves. So we adopted a philosophy that if athletes would retrace their roots and go back to the high school community, set up a scholarship fund or work with the church or boys and girls club, then go to the college uh, campus and endow a scholarship or do something to retrofit equipment and then do a charitable foundation uh, with leading business figures, political figures, community leaders, they can make a real difference. That's awesome. So where do you feel like you, for, you know, what mark do you look back to that you feel is the biggest mark um, to help create the Steinberg sports brand? In football, I started representing the quarterback position uh, and and had a whole series of quarterbacks and they're the, they trigger ancillary revenue streams, they're the highest profile player. And so it came back around in 1984 when Warren Moon signed the biggest contract in the history of the NFL and Steve Young uh, signed the biggest contract in in the history of sports contracts with the LA Express and the USFL. And I think that in terms of branding, um, representing role model athletes, profiling role model athletes uh, who are highly talented. And then we spread to baseball and basketball and boxing and, and uh, uh, Olympic athletes and, and a variety of other fields. That's awesome. Early on, when you are recruiting these type of talent, how do you differentiate yourself against your competition? 
by the fact that that in football I've represented 64 first round draft picks. The very first pick, as you mentioned, overall eight times, and we have 11 players in the Hall of Fame. How we differentiate is, first of all, taking a holistic view towards an athlete, listening very carefully, listening skills are critical, yep. bringing out from someone their deepest anxieties and fears and their greatest hopes and dreams, and then understanding how to uniquely uh, fulfill them. And it's a focus on second career. It's the fact that a number of our players have gone on to be huge business successes. Three of the football players have become minority owners of actual NFL teams. Patrick Mahomes just bought into the Kansas City Royal Baseball team. It's exciting. So um, it's uh, representing high round uh, draft picks uh, who play marquee positions. And how did this offseason differ from years past? Um, well, we thankfully never seen coronavirus before. And uh, so the NFL draft uh, was done differently in terms of scouting. It had to be done virtually. And then we had the cessation of uh, baseball and basketball and hockey. And uh, fortunately, they all restarted again. But it was a brave new world. No one really understands what is happening with coronavirus, um, how the most powerful and sophisticated country in the world would still be plagued by this. And so it's required innovation to, to try to figure out. Um, the only group that hasn't been uniformly successful is college football. And that's because they don't have a commissioner, they're not professional, they don't have a union, they don't have a commissioner who can declare an impasse and just as baseball did institute their own rules and the players have a choice to come or not. Um, and frankly, I, I think my son, if he was on a college campus and an athlete would be safer under the tutelage of someone like Nick Saban being tested every day than the rest of millennial generation uh, seems to have contributed to the spike uh, in cases recently. So I know that you're very known for being accessible with your clients. It's really important you to be there. Uh, what are some ways you've adjusted with less face-to-face -face interactions? Zoom, which we're doing today, has uh, uh, developed to the point where it seems almost strange to call someone on the phone right. and not be, able to, not be able to see them. So it's required in our agent academy and our sports career conference. Normally we would do those across the country in person, but now they're totally done on Zoom. And I didn't think technically that it was possible to actually, for the agent academy, have people recruiting an actual athlete and somehow coordinate that, divide them up into teams. But our technical experts, uh, Julia Fair and Ishmael Horn, so a variety of people have been very good at um, coming up with ways to utilize uh, technology. And then each sport has is now existing without fans, which is 
unique. Uh, but I do think we'll be able to go to football games because they'll have decreased attendance, but they'll still have attendance. So, you know, you mentioned your academy concept. I'm happy you brought that up. Um, I know replacing yourself is very important with future talent, both on the business side, right, equally to playing on the field. Can you share a little bit about your academy concept for prospective sports agents? So, Brett, what we've tried to do is mentor the next generation because someone can go to law school or business school or sports management and enter the field either of agentry or work in marketing, branding, in a front office for the team, a league, a conference, an athletic department, work in PR, work on media. Uh, There's so many different possibilities, but no one is really training specific skill sets. So what we're trying to do, for example, with the Agent Academy is actually teach people how to negotiate, how to recruit, how to, um, so we do a mock negotiation, how to establish a charitable foundation, how to do damage uh, control, how to do client maintenance, and actually teach that. And with the Sports Career Conference, they're able to access the absolute experts in each field, working journalists, working executives, uh, people who are out there, who will carefully explain what the best way of access is the best resume, the best way of networking, the best way of reaching out and and trying to differentiate oneself from uh, the fact that the interest in, in sports and entertainment is endless and highly competitive. Um, you know, going back, if I was just graduating USF, which now actually has a great sports management program, not the last millennium when I went there, what, you know, of all those things, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give me? I would tell you to hone your listening skills. I would tell you that you can navigate your way gracefully through life. If you have the ability to put your head into another person's head, your heart into their heart, and see the world the way they see it. If you can understand someone's deepest anxieties and fears and greatest hopes and dreams, and cut below the surface, because men don't tend to share quite as easily, I'm sure our female uh, viewers will, will justify men don't share as easily as women do, so you have to peel back the layer of the onion. And if you can do that successfully, if you can create an atmosphere of trust, then it will help you in any aspect of life from relationships to, to business. It helps you negotiate, recruit, helps you sell. It, it really is a fundamental skill. Instead of having some prefixed preconception of what someone actually feels, you might be surprised at, at what they really value and how they prioritize things. You know me better than I think because being self-aware, that's the first thing I would have to say to work on just in general in life, right? So um, peeling back your layers a little bit, I know ph- philanthropy is very important to you. What are some of the passions that you like to get back to? So. Um, Back in the day, I became worried about the rise of uh, skinheads and nascent hate groups. And so I put together something with the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith called the uh, uh, Steinberg uh, uh, Academy. And what we did is train young people in how to 
spot skinheads and hate groups, how to intervene in crisis situations, how to go into um, schools and, and create ethnic tolerance rather than suspicion and hatred, uh, an advance guard against hate. Madeline Albright, when she was Secretary of State, and I set up something called Adopt a Mind Field, where we, uh, for $30,000, you could uh, be mine in Acre and Angola or Mozambique or Cambodia. And uh, we've targeted every issue possible from bullying to domestic violence to sex trafficking to the environment. Um, trying to use the power of sports to trigger imitative behavior. So it would be something like the Sporting Marine Alliance where you go into stadia, arena, and practice fields and give them sustainable technology and wind, solar, recycling, resurfacing, and water. So you can drop carbon emissions and energy costs and then turn it into a educational platform. So the millions of fans that go can see a waterless urinal, can see a solar panel, and think about how they integrate those things into their own lives. So you put sports in the forefront of rolling back climate change. You know, talking, that, that's awesome. You know, it's great to you always hear it's one thing to do, you know, sports and just be out in the open, but behind the scenes, it, it's even more important to give back. You know, there's one saying that I've always taken, you reap what you sow. And, uh, you know, it's important, right, to contribute wherever you can. You know, contributing, from, I guess, from a sports aspect, sports also adds value in the entertainment industry as well. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you contribute authenticity to movies and even TV series like Robert Wool and Arliss? I think the first thing that's critical is to be a steward of sport and to understand that fans – don't have to come to games, they don't have to watch on television, they don't have to buy memorabilia. So the right way to frame all this is not labor versus management, but a fight that we have with home box office and Walt Disney World and the NBA, if you're the NFL, and every other form of discretionary entertainment spending. So no bad uh, collective bargaining agreements that rub it in the face of fans, uh, try to be careful about individual negotiations where someone's not publicly complaining, they're only making uh, $10 million rather than $15 million. In terms of the sports uh, projects, um, Cameron Crow, a writer-director, called me up in 1993 and asked if he could follow me around for a film he wanted to do that would be based on a sports agent. And so he followed me everywhere I went. He went to the NFL League meetings, to the uh, 1993 draft, to pro scouting day at USC, to a series of games, to time in my office, and I told him a lot of stories. And, and I was technical advisor um, and had to bet the script, and that film became Jerry Maguire, had to bet the script to make sure the willing suspension of disbelief that holds you in a motion picture didn't get broken. And then I worked with the actors like Cuba Gooding Jr. to try to put them in role. So every sports-related film uh, that's based on a true story and an aspirational theme, as long as they're modestly budgeted, make money all day long. And what 
happened when three networks became 300 is that the rights fees went up for every sport, which increased salaries and franchise values, but it also uh, created this massive amount of programming, exponentially more games on television, but also more analysis shows, feature shows, quiz shows, uh, just a whole massive amount of content and programming. And sports is a rich source of that. So we are also in the content supply business, coming up with new concepts or ideas for potential television shows and uh, story ideas for movies. So that also is an important aspect of our business. Yeah, so let me, I guess, take that a little bit more on a personal level of you before we go. Um, I, I've read a little bit about the Newport Beach Film Festival. Can you tell us a little bit more about your passion for that specific event and, and how you partner with them? I grew up loving movies and, uh, and wanted to create a cultural flowering in Orange County. And so years ago, I funded the Newport Beach Film Festival along with the city of Newport Beach. And by the time we'd gone 10 years, we were showing 360 films. We actually previewed um, uh, a, a film that, that won the Oscar award. We had filmmakers from a hundred uh, different countries. It was uh, magnificent. So it's a great forum that does short films, documentaries, feature films, and, and gives a showcase for young talent. Uh, and the proximity to Hollywood means that you can have some pretty special nights. Awesome. Well, thank you much for coming today. We appreciate having you here and appreciate all you do giving back to the industry. Thank you, Lee. My pleasure, Brett. Thanks for listening to the Sports Equity Podcast, where we discuss the value that sports brings to business. Follow us for new episodes on a weekly basis. See you next time.